Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Good Tuesday morning. Extreme weather sweeping across the country. And now it's causing chaos at the nation's airports. It's June the 27th. This is today. Gridlock. Thousands of flights canceled or delayed with severe storms on the move. Branches are falling up the trees right now. While across the south, that dangerous heat wave only intensifying. It's never been this bad. Tens of millions set to swelter again today, pushing power grids to the brink. We'll have the very latest and Al's full forecast. Tale of the tape. The audio recording at the center of Donald Trump's indictment leaked overnight. The former president discussing classified documents in his possession. It is like highly confidential yeah. secret. <laughs> this is secret information. This morning, what it means for the case against him. Defiant Vladimir Putin speaking out for the first time since that military rebellion over the weekend. His new message to the mercenaries behind it and the West. Death penalty, the suspect in the Idaho College murders set to appear in court today as prosecutors reveal the punishment they are seeking in the high-profile case. Victims' families reacting to the news overnight. The evidence is there, and we feel that we can, you know, they can go forward with this. The latest in a live report from the courthouse. Those stories plus move over Ozempic, an inside look at the new weight loss drug showing even more promise. We saw how it worked in, in patients for the first time. Uh, we knew we were on the verge of, of a breakthrough. Straight ahead, how soon it could be available. Today, Tuesday, June 27, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, good morning. Welcome to today. Thank you for joining us on a Tuesday morning. We're going to start with the weather this morning. We are indeed. We're hitting it's hitting another large swath of the country overnight. At least seven tornadoes touching down across the plains, including this is what they call a so-called rope tornado that is in Nebraska. I'll have to ask Al about that. Also, extreme heat remains the story across the South. More than 40 million people under advisories today. More record high temps expected. And here along the East Coast, it's rain that's the story. Heavy rain and lightning leading to power outages and travel delays. Look at that. Nearly 3,000 flights canceled yesterday and unfortunately more expected this morning. We've got it all covered. Of course, Al's forecast will be just ahead, but we're going to start with NBC's Sam Brock. He is in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Sam, good morning. Hoda, good morning. Even for those like yourself who are accustomed to summers here in Louisiana, this is even by those standards exceptional. Most of southeast Louisiana is under an excessive heat warning today from Baton Rouge, where I am, to Slidell in New Orleans, which right now is warning its residents that it could feel like it's up to 120 degrees today. Right now, this could actually get worse over the course of the week as storms and scorching heat right now are touching and smothering large portions of the country. This morning, a stretch of destructive storms slamming the East Coast from the Carolinas to the Northeast. Holy shit. Branches are falling up the trees right now. In Pennsylvania, 
heavy rain prompting flash flood alerts. While hail reaching over an inch in diameter, rattling towns, including this neighborhood in Virginia. Down south, the problem is the sweltering heat, a dangerous heat dome now stretching across the region. Excessive heat alerts are impacting some 49 million people across 13 states. And at the center of the dome, Texas, where many cities are sweating through their third straight week of unrelenting, and in some cases, record-breaking heat. I've been here for, what, since I was in elementary school, and it's never been this bad. Urca, the state's power grid operator, breaking an unofficial all-time June demand record on Monday and forecasting demand to reach uncharted territory again today, but saying grid conditions are expected to be normal. Officials urging residents to cut back on power usage and to go outside during the coolest hours of the day. We expect heat and humidity to continue into the triple digits throughout this week. Meanwhile, at least six tornadoes have been reported in Wyoming, while this scary-looking rope tornado touching down in rural Nebraska. This trifecta of brutal conditions, rain, wind, and heat, causing misery coast to coast. While there is no historical database for heat index, New Orleans could very well tie or break its all-time records for temperatures this week. As we look at the power situation as well, guys, there's some 200,000 customers across the country with no power this morning. Tennessee, by far the worst state, with nearly 70,000 customers with no power as these temperatures continue to soar even higher. Yeah. Hold it back to you. Thinking about breaking a record in New Orleans is saying a lot. It gets super hot down there. All right, uh, Sam yeah. Brock. Sam, thank you. And those storms are having a major impact on the nation's airports. Flight delay and cancellations adding up with more expected just in time for the busy July 4th holiday weekend. NBC's Tom Costello covers aviation for us. He's at Reagan National. Tom, so what is the latest on the travel front? A busy, busy, busy Savannah. You should have been here a minute ago because it was very busy here as well at Reagan, but it's happening nationwide. We had 2,200 flight cancellations yesterday, and right now the numbers are building. It's not just the weather, but that is a major factor today. Here's where we stand at this hour. We are approaching, in fact, over 800 flight cancellations at the moment and about 750 delays at the moment. That's a nationwide number. Take a look at the most affected airports. First, with the misery map, as you would expect, we are seeing some misery in the Northeast. The choke points, of course, as always, New York City airports, you move on up the I-95 corridor all the way into Boston. Here are the most affected airports listed out now. We've got Newark Airport, LaGuardia, of course, Boston, JFK, Chicago O'Hare, OR, make that DCA where I am right now, Reagan Airport, as well as Toronto on the list. We've got Orlando, Washington, Dallas, and DFW in Dallas, all of those affected by the weather. It is going to be a very busy time if you're traveling right now for this holiday and then throughout the summer. But we are watching this crunch time right now as we go into the long weekend with a lot of people competing for limited space here at the airports. Uh, Savannah, back to you. Well, I was going to ask you about that because we are heading into this busy holiday week. A lot of people might be traveling this weekend, Friday. Do you expect things yeah. to calm down before the big rush? Well, I think it's all going to be uh, up to Mr. Roker, right? But at the moment, we're looking at 24 million people are going to be traveling between uh, now and July 5th. So it's going to be a very, very busy travel period through the nation's skies. We've got another problem, though. It's not just weather. You know, we've got a, a real problem with uh, control towers not staffed appropriately. In fact, right now, the inspector general is saying 77 percent 
of, a, of a FAA air traffic control facilities do not have the proper staffing, that's a years-long problem. That didn't just suddenly materialize, but they still are short on controllers. In fact, the CEO of United Airlines really taking aim at the FAA yesterday, saying that the FAA and its controller problems cost 150,000 United Airlines problem, uh, Airlines customers rather, to experience difficulties, delays, cancellations over the weekend, calling on a system-wide effort to fix this, but that's not an overnight fix when a quarter of all controllers right now, a quarter are trainees. Back to you. Mm, big problem. Whether you can't control some of these other issues, you can, but it takes time. Tom, yeah. thank you very much. Let's get a lot more on the storms, the heat, what's ahead. Al, what does it look like? Yeah, we got a lot going on and not a lot of it is moving, unfortunately. We do have a minimal risk stretching from upstate New York all the way down to New Bern, North Carolina. Wind gusts, uh, low tornado risk, but isolated hail, one inch or diameter. We move into the midsection of the country. Six million people from the Dakotas all the way down into Texas and parts of Louisiana and Arkansas for a wind gust of up to 75 miles per hour, two-inch diameter hail and tornadoes possible. And look at this, from Florida all the way to the southwest, Tucson, Arizona, we've got 49 million people under heat advisories, heat watches, and heat warnings. And unfortunately, nothing's really moving. We've got this locked pattern all month. Hot weather of Texas into the plains, unseasonably cool in the east and the west. And the next three days, this High pressure moves very slowly, so it's expanding heat and humidity. New Orleans going to see temperatures in the, uh, near the triple digits. When you factor in the heat, look at this, the humidity, it's triple digits in New Orleans, Little Rock, Wichita, on into St. Louis and Nashville, and we're not going to see much uh, changing. Expected record highs from Poplar Bluff, Houston, Gulfport, New Orleans, on into the weekend. This ridge will weaken, so we'll start to see temperatures cool a bit, but that heat does expand to the east and north for St. Louis, Memphis, and Jackson, but the heat will continue in Texas. Guys? All right, Al, thank you. We turn now to a major development in the federal case against Donald Trump for the first time. An audio recording has surfaced in which the former president appears to discuss classified documents with people who did not have security clearance. NBC's Garrett Hakes in Washington with more on this. Garrett, good morning. This is a key piece of evidence listed and mentioned in the indictment, and now people are able to hear it for themselves. Yeah, that's right, Savannah. Good morning. We have already seen, of course, part of this conversation in a transcript from the federal indictment. But it's a totally different thing to actually hear the recording in which the former president discusses a document that he says he could no longer declassify. Overnight, Mr. Trump calling the audio an exoneration. But legal experts say the tape could ultimately be a critical piece of evidence against him. This was done by the military, given to me. In his own words, former President Trump in a newly surfaced audio recording that's expected to be used as evidence in his federal case involving classified documents. In it, he appears to acknowledge he knowingly held on to a classified Pentagon document about a potential attack on Iran. The two-and-a-half-minute audio tape obtained by CNN shows Mr. Trump discussing what he calls the, quote, highly confidential document. I'll show you an example. He said that... I wanted to attack Iran. Isn't it amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. Look. This was him. They presented me this. This is off the record, but they presented me this. 
That conversation, according to the special counsel, took place during a meeting at Mr. Trump's New Jersey Golf Club in July 2021 with two staffers, a publisher and a writer who was working on a memoir of Mark Meadows, his former chief of staff. Mr. Trump referencing the document more than once on the tape and at times even jokes about it being, quote, highly confidential. It is like highly confidential yeah. secret. <laughs> this is secret information. <laughs> In a Fox News interview last week, the former president claiming there were no documents shown in that meeting. That was a massive amount of papers and everything else talking about Iran and other things. And it may have been held up or may not, but that was not a document. I didn't have a document per se. There was nothing to declassify. These were newspaper stories, magazine stories and articles. I'm just saying. But the recording appears to tell a different story. Yeah. See, as president, I could have declassified yeah. it. Now I can't, you know, but this is yeah, classic. Now, now we have a problem. The former president, who pled not guilty to a 37-count indictment accusing him of taking classified national security documents with him when he left the White House, then obstructing the government's efforts to get them back, lashing out overnight on social media, accusing the special counsel of having, quote, spun the tape, as well as saying without evidence that he illegally leaked it and calling it an exoneration. NBC News has reached out to the special counsel's office for a response to those claims overnight, but so far we haven't heard back. Mr. Trump and his campaign are out with new statements this morning insisting that he did nothing wrong, but several legal experts and former prosecutors who've heard that tape have largely reached a different conclusion, describing it as quite damning. Savannah. Garrett Haig in Washington. Thank you, Garrett. With its term winding down, the Supreme Court is facing decisions on several high-profile cases, including affirmative action, student loan debt, and LGBTQ rights. Some or all of those opinions could come as early as today. Lots to discuss with NBC senior legal correspondent Laura Jarrett. With uh, what we're watching yes. for, let's start with affirmative action, because this is, it, it seems, a direct challenge to the court's precedent on affirmative action from 2003, saying universities could use race as a factor in admissions. The court took this case and seems prepared to strike down that precedent. This is the case that could change um, college admissions as we know it. For years, as you say, the court has said you can use race, but just as a limited factor. But the fact that they took this case at all is what has led to so much speculation that they're going to go all the way and say, from now on, not only just Harvard and UNC, the two schools that are being sued here, but all schools, public and private, can no longer use race as a factor in admissions. And the colleges tell me, look, we're really worried because we care about creating a diverse student body. And if you say we can't use race anymore, we know what happens because there are nine states that have already banned affirmative action. And in those states, the rates of blacks and Latinos has plummeted. Well, you have a 6-3 at ideological uh, makeup of the court. It's yeah. more conservative now. And it, the, the schools basically followed the precedents. So the fact that the Supreme Court took the case is why people think they're ready to strike it. Down. Exactly. But they don't have to go all the way. They might just say the programs at Harvard and UNC were wrong. And so the lower court needs to go back and look at it. So we're going to have to see how narrowly do they slice this decision. Another big issue has to do with student loan debt forgiveness. This is something the Biden administration did in August of 2022. We remember during the pandemic that the Trump administration paused repayment and Biden paused repayment. And then in August 2022 said, how about we forgive up to $20,000 worth of student loan debt? That is now snarled in this legal controversy. What do you expect? And there? these justices seem very skeptical of the administration's authority to actually be able to wipe out that much debt. They seem to think this is such a big deal. It's such a political and economic consequence that maybe the president shouldn't been able to do this without explicitly 
explicit congressional authorization. But there's a wrinkle. They might find that the states that sued do not have standing, in which case the president's plan goes forward. All right, Laura, lots to watch. Pretty yeah. complicated. Thank you very much. Sure. All right. It's going to be hot down yeah, the bayou it, today, exactly. right, now. That's right. Well, we're looking at sunshine along the West Coast. Some showers also making their way through the plains. A fire risk in the Southwest. It's been dry record highs as we've been talking down through Texas. Stormy, heavy rain and windy in the Northeast and some showers along the panhandle of Florida. And that is your latest weather. Guys. All right. Thanks, Al, so. Thank you. Coming up, a major decision from prosecutors in the Idaho College of Murders announcing they will seek the death penalty. Ahead of a key hearing in the case today, we'll have the latest and exclusive reaction from the victim's family. Also, we've got uh, two stories focused on weight loss you'll want to see. We're going to take a close look at the experimental drug showing more promise than anything on the market, they say. Plus, the eye-opening results of a new study comparing popular fasting diets to simple calorie counting. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want you to be very sure about this. It means you're going to walk out of here with absolutely nothing. Except my name. I'll give up all that other stuff, but only if I get to keep my name. I work too hard for it. You're right. Oh, we are back with one of the many, many powerful performances from Angela Bassett's career. And nearly 30 years after her first Oscar nomination, she is finally set to receive one of those golden statues. Mm-hmm. Carson's going to have details on Pop Start as we say good morning to Good show. morning. Very yeah. well deserved. Yeah, Absolutely. it's about time yeah, for Miss Bassett. Yep. All right, we have a lot to get to this half hour, including new developments in the case that's being very closely watched. The suspect in the Idaho College murders is set to appear at a pretrial hearing today. And prosecutors are now saying they they will pursue the death penalty against him. NBC's Aaron McLaughlin joins us from the courthouse in Moscow. Aaron, good morning. Guys, good morning. That's right. The prosecution now arguing that if he's convicted of the quadruple homicide, Brian Koberger should be put to death. And this morning, the father of one of the victims reacting to that news. They didn't have to come here. This morning, in an NBC News exclusive, the father of victim Kaylee Gonzalez reacting to news that prosecutors plan to seek the death penalty against Brian Koberger, the man accused of murdering his daughter and three other students at the University of Idaho. It's a relief. I'm glad that we're in a situation of strength and uh, the evidence is there and we feel that we can, you know, they can go forward with this. The family's attorney believes it's a clear-cut death penalty case. If you're not going to pursue the guy for a death penalty on a case like this, 
who are you going to pursue for a death penalty? In just a few hours, Koberger is set to return to a Moscow-Idaho courtroom for another pretrial hearing. His legal team is requesting records from last month's grand jury indictment of their client and are asking the judge to pause legal proceedings until they receive those materials. Already a key part of the case for both sides, Koberger's DNA and where it was and wasn't found. While prosecutors said in a court filing earlier this month that Koberger's DNA is a statistical match to DNA found on a knife sheath at the scene of the murders, his lawyers say authorities did not find any victim DNA in his apartment, office, home or vehicle. Is this your car? He's had over a month before those search warrants were executed after the crime to throw away his clothes, wash his clothes, wash his car, clean out his apartment. There's multiple ways to explain the lack of DNA in his vehicle, in his apartment. There's not a lot of ways to explain his DNA on the sheath of the murder weapon. The legal battle is also unfolding just over a mile from the scene of the quadruple homicides. The off-campus home where Madison Mogan, Kaylee Gonzalez, Zana Kernodal, and Ethan Chapin were killed was set to be demolished before a judge ruled it should be preserved. Now the University of Idaho says they hope to have the house down ahead of the new school year. The Gonzalez family says the house should be preserved through trial. I don't want to sit six months from now and hear somebody in the court case say, well, I really wish we could be in the house right now. Once the case is over, then they can move on. But right now, it's the crime scene. Brian Koberger has not entered a plea. A not guilty plea has been entered by the judge on his behalf. And regarding the death penalty, there's a new law here in Idaho allowing for death by firing squad if they can't locate the chemicals necessary for lethal injection. That law goes into effect July 1st. Savannah. Mm. All right, Aaron, thank you. I want to turn now to NBC News legal analyst Danny Savalos. Hi, Danny. Good morning. Good morning. So the prosecution is saying they're seeking the death penalty. So you wonder if that makes us think that they are very confident with their case. What do you think? Well, statistically, one study shows that Idaho prosecutors seek the death penalty in about 20 percent of death penalty penalty eligible cases. They only get death penalties in about 3% of those that go to trial. So Idaho prosecutors, it seems, are willing to try for the death penalty. They'll file the notice. That may be a negotiating tactic, of course. If they file the notice of intent, then the defense says, "Uh uh-oh, the stakes are higher. Perhaps that's meant to bring them to the table. But uh, it seems that under Idaho law, the death penalty, which the Supreme Court has very much restricted, uh, they're a little more permissive maybe than other jurisdictions. Mm -hmm. How does it affect the case? Let's say this remains a death penalty Mm -hmm. case and it goes to trial as a capital case. How does that affect in terms of the jury that is selected and and the, the evidence that's presented? Absolutely. So in these cases, it becomes really two trials. You have a trial on the guilt phase and then you have a trial on the penalty phase. And as they must in every state, they have to take into account the aggravating factors and the mitigating factors. And in Idaho, Idaho has a list of aggravating factors. If the jury finds during the penalty phase that any one of them was met. And I'll give you an example of one that during the crime, the killer committed another murder. That is exactly within here. And there are other uh, aggravating factors that fit as well. But I'm just giving you one example. If the jury finds that beyond a reasonable doubt, then the defense has to come up with some mitigating factors or else the jury must essentially impose the death penalty. So Idaho procedure creates a clear path 
to the death penalty with those aggravating circumstances, one of which, an example I gave you, uh, if we get to that phase, it's not likely he'd be found guilty of one murder and not the other. So mm. it might be a foregone conclusion once you get there. That's a pretty strict statute in Idaho, it sounds like. Permissive for the death penalty, although the Supreme Court has limitations it imposes when compared to other states, it could be said that Idaho is more death friendly. We keep hearing about this DNA information. How likely would the court grant the defense access to what they want, like the DNA information? This is interesting. And I'm colored by the fact that I am a defense attorney. But the state's argument is essentially that there are two kinds of DNA. There's what we're familiar with traditionally, which is STR. This is going back to the OJ case. This is traditional DNA evidence. The state says that they use this new kind, this emerging evidence, IgG or forensic genealogy uh, uh, evidence. They use that to build a genealogical tree. But they're saying we use that as kind of a tip, as a lead. We're not going to introduce any of that at trial, Judge. So therefore, we don't have to turn that over to the defense under the rules. And the defense is saying, look, the rules call for anything that is a scientific report to be turned over. This also is something that is going to be very compelling information. It could exonerate our client. Mm. We should get it. The state probably has a more technical rule-based argument, and the defense has a more spiritual argument that, look, this is something the state used. We should get to see it. All right, Danny, it's going to be interesting Solid. hearing today. Thank, Thank you, Danny. You. All right, we got a lot more ahead this morning, including the remarkable story of a man on an inspiring mission passing on the love of baseball to the next generation. But first, our inside look at what could be the next Ozempic. Stephanie Gosk has that story. Seth? Hey guys, good morning. You know, there's something of an arms race going on right now with pharmaceutical companies pursuing the next weight loss drug. I had a chance to visit Eli Lilly. They have a couple medications that are in the pipeline. I'll have all the details coming up. Back now, 741 with In-Depth today. This morning, the future of weight loss. Well, several drugs are currently being marketed to obese patients, and now there is an experimental option being studied that could offer better results than any drug now available. NBC's Stephanie Gosk is here. She's got a closer look. Hey, Steph. Hey, guys. Good morning. You know, we've been talking a lot about the revolution in weight loss medication. The science is moving quickly, and Eli Lilly believes the newest generation of this medicine will be groundbreaking. I had a chance to visit the company headquarters in Indianapolis. Eli Lilly's new drug is called Redditrutide. When we saw how they worked in our preclinical studies and then how when we saw how it worked in, in patients for the first time, uh, we knew we were on the verge of, of a breakthrough. Unlike FDA-approved drugs Ozempic for diabetes and Wagovi for weight loss, which harness one hormone to control eating, according to Eli Lilly, Redditrutide harnesses three. We think that a medicine like this could someday offer the same levels of weight loss that you can see with bariatric surgery. In Redditrutide's second clinical trial, patients with obesity lost up to 17.5% of their body weight, more than 40 pounds, in 24 weeks, nearly 60 pounds in 48 weeks. Jacynthia Jesse weighed close to 300 pounds before taking part in the trial. It has been a roller coaster ride for many of my adult years. While some participants were given a placebo, she believes she got the real injection, dropping 60 pounds having to put on clothes and realize that this is not my size anymore. Like, I literally have to go to the Goodwill or give these away. That was just life-changing to me. Testing is in its early stages. A submission for FDA approval is years away. But Eli Lilly is hopeful it will get FDA approval for a different drug this year, the weight loss version of its approved diabetes medicine, Monjaro. There are analysts who say it'll be the most lucrative drug ever made. Hyperbole? 
Probably, yes. I, you know, I, I think at Lilly, we, we try not to focus too much on which drugs are going to be really big sellers. What we try and focus on is, are we making medicines that treat a, a deep unmet medical need? Eli Lilly is not alone in its push to research new drugs. Other pharmaceutical companies are doing the same. While obesity doctors say the medications that are on the market have already changed lives. It's been transformative, to say the least. I think it's given so many people hope that felt sort of helpless in this um, fight against the disease of obesity. The next step will be getting the medication in pill form, which Eli Lilly is working on. Easier to make and easier for people to access. We hope that obesity will be something that we can um, reverse for the majority of patients. And in doing so, it's not just about how they look or how they feel. It's for patients, it's really, uh, we believe, a change in their overall health. I mean, targeting obesity, obviously, is yeah. so important for lifestyle. I think a lot of people who see these drugs are thinking, well, I want to drop some pounds, too. Can that work for me? That is not what these drugs are being approved okay. for. There's only one weight loss drug on the market. Eli Lilly has a couple that they hope to get approved. They are specifically for people struggling with obesity. And those are the people who are in these trials. It's not people just looking to shed a couple pounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of weight loss topics, there was another study out. This one had to do with Intermittent fasting oh, yeah. versus just traditional calorie counting. Mm-hmm. Which, which is interesting. Which diet like, is which better? One's better yeah. Which one's better? So this is out of the University of Illinois. And it might be good news for people who don't like to calorie count. And it's it showed that intermittent fasting, so not eating between, in this case, the hours of 12 and 8, is mm-hmm. just as effective. You lose as many calories as calorie counting. So wait, 12 and 8 meaning noon to noon 8 p.m.? Noon to 8 p.m. So you're not eating during that whole time? No, you no, are. You watch your window. window. Okay. You can only eat them. I don't know. I'm a breakfast person. I don't think I do that. (laughs) So basically like skipping breakfast. (laughs) Okay. And then not eating before you go to bed. Right. Okay. Right. That's a big one. All right. Jeff, thank you. All right. Uh, Let us get another check of the weather from Al. I basically intermittent calorie count. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I count. Sometimes I don't. This ice cream, does it count? No, it doesn't count. Anyway, a big low pressure system over the Great Lakes is now bringing that wildfire smoke out of Canada and into the Midwest. You can see tomorrow we're looking at that smoke coming across, I should say, uh, into all the way down to Nashville, Charleston, Cincinnati. We're talking about air quality alerts right now for our friends from Marquette all the way down into parts of Wisconsin. 23 million people at risk, really unhealthy air for our friends throughout much of Wisconsin. But you can see ozone alert, uh, effects, I should say, from New England all the way down into the south. And that is your latest weather. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah, you're busting. I know you are. (laughs) The return of an action-packed fan Uh favorite, Jack Ryan, ahead of its final season. The stars of the show, including Jack himself, John Krasinski, they will all be here paying a visit to Studio 1A. Uh, Good example. Guys, coming up on Popstart, country music is really making a big, big influence here. In fact, it's taking over the Billboard Hot 100 chart. We're going to tell you just what happened for the first time in almost 50 years. Okay, and the 4th of July holiday sales, they've already started. We'll tell you what you need to know to shop and save. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. 
Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.